Hello and welcome to the Sacred Shifts podcast with me, your host, Betty Lewis-Griffiths. As a breathwork facilitator, ceremonialist and sacred space holder, I support my clients through significant shifts in their lives, some planned and some a little more unexpected. I wanted to create a safe and informative space where we can have raw and honest conversations about life-changing shifts. We all go through them, so this podcast allows us to delve deeper into individual experiences when it comes to navigating these significant changes in our lives. From birth to death and everything else in between, welcome to the space where we speak openly about pain, purpose, passion, and the life-changing events that got us to where we are now. Today, I am joined by Melissa Sanger, who is a torchbearer of feminine power, pleasure, and wealth. She offers teachings rooted in tantric arts, womb healing, and pelvic care, and she is an incredible leader in the pleasure empowerment space. And I can already feel your magical energy. So Melissa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited for today's conversation. Me too, me too. So I wanted to start back at the beginning of our meeting, really, because we met very magically in the mountains in Mexico. And I'd been following you for a little while. It was a very kind of serendipitous meeting. And at that time, you were very influential in the womb healing space. And that was why I was really drawn to you because I was moving through a lot of that on my own personal journey. Um, and I think at the time you were describing yourself as a bit of a womb witch. Is that how you still see yourself and how did you end up on that path? Yeah, it's a beautiful moment that we met, almost two years. And at that time I was deeply exploring my witch archetype. We met in the mountains of Oaxaca, in a place where a lot of people do mushrooms and there's a really beautiful deep indigenous culture there it's one of the towns that wasn't invaded by the spanish inquisition and so it has a very ancient energy there and i went there when i met you actually to kind of yeah do a mushroom ceremony with myself i was going through a heartbreak at the time and i wanted to really deeply connect to myself and my inner witch and commit to my path and I feel like so much has changed since then, so much. I think at that point in my life, I was really learning deep, deep lessons of how to value myself. And I feel in the last two years, I've, I think I've come a long way on that specific lesson and, yeah, embodied my medicine, embodied my witch, embodied my path of womb healing and pleasure healing. It's always layers of the onion, isn't it? Now I'm exploring other things like deepening into sexuality and still teaching womb healing, but also now I'm more interested in teaching about wealth and money. And I'm now myself in a partnership. At the time when we met, I was single. I think we'll talk about all these things in the episode about where I am now. So for me, my specific journey on this path came into fruition when I lost my moon for one year when I was like 14 and then again for three years when I was in my late teenagers. I was studying as an artist in London and living a very London student-y life and I went to a lot of doctors and, and many of those doctors would say to me the classic things at that time. I think now there's more consciousness but 
I remember sitting in my local GP office and him being like, yes, the solutions are that you can take the pill or you can put on some weight because I had a lot of history of eating disorders at the time. And for a few years after that, it was like, put on weight, take the pill or I don't remember what the other option was, but they were very limited options. And I felt there's always been a really strong trailblazer, explorer, traveler, seeker in me. And I only realized that later in my life when I came out of school and I felt that my creative kind of radical spirit was no longer being crushed. And um, I discovered that actually I was very adventurous and willing to do a lot of things that most people wouldn't do and it came into my life that I I was practicing yoga at the time with my mom actually and I wanted to do a, a yoga training I felt that I wanted to teach yoga and so the next kind of step from being in that GP's office to then my next adventure was that I, I googled spiritual yoga teacher trainings and at the time that was pretty rare this is five years ago. And I found this kind of like shamanism, tantra yoga teacher training and plant medicine and this amazing magical training. I didn't understand half of the language that they were writing on the page, but it was like that. I want to go to that. It was in Ecuador. I'd never been to, to South America before. I think I was the only person that I knew that was kind of willing to do traveling like that on my own and at my age. And so I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to this training. I'm going to do it. And I remember everyone around me thought I was crazy. But I was like, I want to understand deeper, more spiritual, holistic ways of healing myself because taking a pill is not the answer that my soul wants. And I went to this amazing training and I started to receive more language from my context. I started to learn about trauma. I didn't really know what trauma was fully until I did that training. That wasn't really a buzzword at that point. And I started to learn about trauma. I started to learn about womb healing. I did my first plant medicine ceremonies. I worked with San Pedro and I did Temescal and I connected with with two specific medicine women that became very pivotal in my life. And they started to talk to me more about feminine healing and womb healing and all of these magical things. And bearing in mind at this point, this was very new for me, but I felt the calling strong. And I even experienced my first woman's circles in, in that training and things like that. And actually, I trained with two of your friends, Jess and Eddie. And so many pivotal things happened in that training. It was like a big turning point for me where I awoke up to another solution or possibility of how I can heal myself. And yes, I went back home to England and I just felt like I no longer fit. I felt like people around <laughs> me were drinking a lot and very disconnected and partying and I just couldn't connect with even with my my university course anymore. I just felt like I want to know more about healing. You know that beginning obsession of healing and you're like, "Oh, I want to know everything and I want to do all the courses <laughs> and I want to sign up and I want to go all in. I was in that point and I felt like I wanted to to go back to Ecuador and and just be there and, and experience and heal and understand why I didn't have my moon. I ended up being invited back by one of those medicine women to do an individual plant medicine retreat for women, a sacred feminine retreat. 
And I said, yes. And I went to that. And then I kind of just started to, I didn't realize this at the time, but I started to take on the North Star that I wanted to focus only on healing my womb until my blood came back. And that was my only job. And that was what was most important to me. It was my priority. So I, I flew back to Ecuador and I did this, this plant medicine journey. And then after that, I was there. And then I, I reached out to the other medicine woman I mentioned on my yoga training that was impactful for me. And she invited me to go and live with her in, in the mountains, in the Andes and her family for a while. And I was just following breadcrumbs. I went to live with her for, I thought I was just going for a few days and I ended up being there for six weeks and living in her house. And learning all these tools for womb healing, primarily at the time just to heal myself. And I didn't really imagine that this was where I was going. I was only focusing on this step of like, I really want my blood back. I want to be fertile again. And that story unfolded and continued. I followed all the breadcrumbs through Ecuador and then to Peru and then to Mexico where I live now. And actually in Mexico, in the town that I live now, I received my my blood back. Yeah, I did a really, really powerful ayahuasca journey in Peru on the full moon. And I did like a one-to-one ayahuasca ceremony with this with this medicine woman. And the next day after that, I had a shedding of my lining. So the next day after the ayahuasca ceremony, for the first time in I think about three years, I had like discharge. I had shedding in my lining and I saw like dark, a dark color in my knickers the next day and I thought like wow it's happening it's coming finally after like 100 (laughs) different things that I've tried it's finally happening and actually it wasn't happening but it was a shedding of my lining of like three years of of build-up and then exactly one month later when I was in Mexico one full moon later exactly I got my blood back and I remember just like I was on the beach here where I am now in Oaxaca and I remember holding my blood and looking at my blood for the first time in my life with so much reverence and so much awe and beauty and feeling so grateful and so moved and emotional that this had happened after a very, very intense personal journey. And I was exhausted by that point. But there's always been a very determined spirit in me that's like, I've got to, yeah, I'm a very determined person. I've got to get there. And so when I finally had this like relief and this moment of like seeing my blood and I remember putting up for the, the sun and seeing the color of the red and, and being like, I want to devote my life to this. I want to devote my life to the womb. The menstrual cycle at the time was super important to me into teaching about that because at the time the menstrual cycle wasn't so Instagrammable and there wasn't so many teachings on it. And the final part of that story is that, yeah, I made a commitment to myself in that moment on the beach. And then I shared about it on my Instagram at the time. And I remember some women asking me like, okay, so how did you get your blood back? I have this problem. I have this, I have this. And then in the end, actually, I I started to share some tools that I knew that I gained on my journey and my paths and all my own healing journey. And they were working and I started to help other people. 
and it was never my plan really but I started to to support other women in, in the healing their womb or balancing their menstrual cycle or connecting to their womb again or getting their period back and then it just it just rippled out from there and in that journey I discovered my I deepened my tantric and sexual awakening journey because actually the womb the menstrual cycle and the the sexuality are all linked and various things became my path my work my journey as the womb witch and I continue on to this day wow that is an amazing story and quite the quest that you went on and a really beautiful example of self-commitment and and dedication to self and it's it's not sadly it's not something that we all have the time or the space for in our lives and I guess that's where you come in and your your teachings come in it's almost like passing it down paying it forward and I've been in your spaces I've been in the jungle in Ecuador with you I remember the the first day of our of the retreat that I was on with you last year I had we, we were doing the womb healing and after that session I thought I felt like I'd received the medicine that I had gone there for. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm done now. And then it was like, as the, as the days, as the days unraveled, I was like, oh no, there's more and there's more and there's more. But I think the beautiful thing was I had a really clear intention with that Mm -hmm. healing. I'd been training as a death doula and a lot of stuff had come up around religion and my mum's side of the family and sexual shame and all of that. And it was very present and I was really clear on what I wanted to delve into. And I think that is what made it so Mm. powerful. That was the first layer. And then once that happened, it was kind of allowing me to surrender even deeper into you know, what else lay there? Because there's just always so much, isn't yeah. there? And, and, you know, I feel that I, I went through all of that because I don't think everyone needs to go on the three-year deep jungle quest healing journey into the depths of the darkness like I did. <laughs> but my soul signed up for that. And for some reason, I'm willing to do that. It's mm. not a full-time job, but I'm willing, I'm willing to go there and to bring up from the underworld those those lessons and teachings and distillations of my own healing and that's my passion Mm. for this work is that I can share and you know take now my five years of of it of this exploration and distill it and refine it into something that I can offer to other people so that they can Mm. they can also do this work in a more simplified way also with with what you're saying about the wound healing is like it's a whole world and I feel a lot <laughs> of my work is influenced by ancestral lineage healing and you know this because you've been in my spaces quite a bit now and so when we're looking at wound healing when we're looking at financial healing when we're looking at shadow work my perception is that a lot of it is actually not ours it's from our parents it's from their parents and it's things in our bloodline that we are patterns that are so unconscious or things living in our body or in our in our mind or unconscious subconscious that we don't even know about so it's like when you open the door there are as you said layers of these things and they're all linked the shadows that you have of shame will probably be from catholicism are probably going to be in the money 
in the sexuality, in the mm. sexual liberation, in the womb, in the body, like they're all so linked. So in some way, when you start to unlock one layer, you're also unlocking that in the arc of your life as well. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I love that. I, I can really resonate with all of that. I think that's what's been really beautiful to see in your shift yeah. of work. Because I have noticed that, you know, you've always been very empowered in the pleasure. You know, I was on your Awaken to Pleasure retreat. It was incredible. It was so empowering and it was so eye-opening and heart-opening. And mm. just like, it honestly felt like I had been catapulted into like a whole other dimension of mystery and magic that I'd never even connected with mm. before. It was such a beautiful space to be in. And I really can see the thread of, you know, the the pleasure empowerment connecting into that kind of wealth empowerment really embodying that wealth and actually opening up to everything that is available yeah. to us but at the same time I really resonate with those stories and those limitations that aren't always ours that are kind of passed on down the generations and it's so hard to shed that because it's something that I I'm about to take a deep dive into myself but it's quite overwhelming isn't it when you've been living by certain stories and especially when they're stories of lack or things that keep you back from stepping into that power. Yeah, I really love your reflection. I'm so happy that you you felt all the magic. Yeah, there's a lot of patience and self-love that's required in this journey. And I think hopefully you felt, I think I've embodied this more by that. So for context, Betty did my wild woman, wild feminine jungle Ecuador retreat last December 2022. And then this summer in 2023, she did my Tantra Taoism Sacred Sexuality Retreat in England. And I think since the two, actually, I'm, I'm also in full-time training as well with my own teachers. I've developed a deeper, a deeper understanding always we're learning of, of, of how we can go about trauma work. And I feel the most important key ingredient before we awaken Kundalini, before we do the deep sexual awakening work, before we do any of the liberation work, is to root safety and love in our body. And that is something that's super missing mm. from, for a lot of people. And if you don't have that inner resource of that self-love, then it's kind of just like you're digging on an internal witch hunt for things wrong with you. And, and it doesn't sit right with me anymore to do that work. You know, even, for example, some listeners might know, I think this work is super powerful, but I used to do a lot of Lacey Phillips body of work. Maybe, you know, to be magnetic. Um, it's a lot of really powerful hypnotherapy to go back into your childhood, into your different memories and, and to understand the different pain points where you picked up identities or ideas about yourself like where is the moment that you decided you weren't valuable in your childhood and you revisit those those memories in hypnotherapy and you you transition them out like you you change the emotion basically and you change the the emotion attached to the memory or maybe you come in as your adult self and things like that and take care of your inner child and I used to do a lot of that work. And at some point recently, I, I came across new bodies of work from different teachers. And I felt like for me, when it's like the hunting and looking for the things that are wrong in that kind of way, I just felt like it still fed into the emptiness within me. And I prefer now to focus, yes, to become aware of the, like to take those limiting beliefs around, let's say, finances or sexuality 
and to discover them. But then it's like, what are you doing with that? And then I prefer now to focus on like more positive and more empowering language and more empowering practices to balance it. For example, like in the Awaken to Pleasure retreat, when we did what I like to call some of the unicorn practices, which are just kind of like the dancing and the fun manifestation and, and like joyful. And I think they're really important to balance with the dark night of the soul stuff because mm. otherwise I feel that it's just too heavy and too intense and it just feels like, yeah, for me it feeds the feeling of I'm not enough if I'm always searching in the dark, you know? Yeah, I really know. I was actually talking to a friend about this yesterday because trauma work is amazing. Of course it is because, you know, we can really identify areas where we're blocked and, and things that are maybe, yeah, limiting us. And we really want to be embodying all of that joy and that bliss and that positivity yeah. and everything else that there is because otherwise you are just yeah. scrabbling around in a cave of shadow feeling like you're unraveling more and more things that are wrong <laughs> yeah and like piece by piece you know because the ancestral stuff is is immense I'm sure I could write a whole book of things that I picked that I received from my lineage around money and pleasure and empowerment as a woman and it's like yeah to have the the self the self-control, the self-care to just chip away at things with, with slowness. Mm. Like when people want to do, for example, when people come and do wound massage or yoni massage with me, I always get the sense people want to heal everything in one, in one session. Mm. And it's like, okay, there's a pain point in the body. Let's keep going back and let's do it again. And I always say like, let's just do a little bit of chipping away on those pain points and... In the future, we can chip away more, but there's no point like putting your elbow in and just going and going and going because actually that's going to create more trauma and more pain in your body. Amazing because yeah. as yeah. humans, as a modern culture, we have this obsession with like everything being fast and quick and uh, it needs to be instant results. Yeah. But actually with healing work, it's just not like that. And actually I think you can create more trauma or more lack of, nervous system regulation by always digging like sometimes it's important to just go and play and or have a, a glass of wine mm. or have a kombucha or go to the beach and eat a burger or whatever it is like sometimes we need that just like light balance and I think people can get addicted and I've been addicted to the healing of the darkness and maybe that's part of our evolution maybe that's mm. part of every person's spiritual awakening to go there and then realize that it's a bit shit in there. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more. There's a lot more fun to be had. Yeah, I really feel that with the joy. It's like, actually, I don't want to not be healing parts of me that are like crying yeah. out to be healed. But also I want to have fun and I want to, you know, embody my inner child and do silly things. And I love that you just called it like the, the unicorn <laughs> practices. <laughs> yeah, like for sure I don't resonate anymore with Abraham Hicks manifestation practices and but also they have a place that balances everything, you know, like the unicorn practices are like the toxic or I don't want to use the word toxic, I don't resonate with that, but the high emphasis on positivity and being like, you know, your mantras and all of this stuff, putting your post-it notes all over your house and it doesn't work it's not it's not holistic to me but it also doing those practices sometimes I think balance the intensity if you're a person who goes into the deep darkness of things too 
sometimes when you're doing sexual healing work, it's necessary to do the unicorn practices because it just makes it more fun. And I know that you know that one of my one of my values in healing is that we I'm very silly and I know you're very silly as well, Betty, mm. and that we can have a lot of fun and laugh and in the Wake Into Pleasure retreat and in the Wild Feminine retreat, we laughed a lot and were very silly. Mm. And then in the right moments, also serious. And I think that laughter and that playfulness is really important in healing. Yeah, well, it's healing yeah, in itself, isn't it? I think so. And it's a natural part of, of who I am. So it's hard for me to kind of separate those things. I think there are a lot yeah. of things about my practice that are unusual and quite radical in the sense of I bring a lot of silliness and playfulness into my work. I'm talking about sexuality and, and finances and, and wealth and as well as all the other trauma healing. But I truly think that there's, you can't really, in my opinion, you can't look at your trauma healing without looking at those things because they are some of the biggest places that we hold shame and taboo and contraction in our sexuality mm. and our relationship to money and worth and value. I feel mm. that so much therapy and so much healing and even plant medicine is missing that. And I wonder if it's because A, it's like not seen as professional, like you don't really see professional, professional, I don't know what the word professional really means, but you know, psychotherapists who are embodying their sexuality and their sensuality. And like, there's been such mm. a divorcing of that. And I think a big part of my mission is to like bring these things into the light because they are a huge part of who we are as humans and what makes us tick and what makes us alive and what's sitting under the surface of what a lot of people are not looking at. Absolutely. With your shift from Wimwich to financial mm-hmm. empowerment, where do you see that work taking you and what is it that's kind of lighting you up at the mm. moment? I've been in my own journey of it for about five years now and going deep, going very deep. And again, I feel sometimes I, I need to go deep so that I can serve these teachings to other people in a more simplified, refined way. For me, I started my entrepreneur work. I was the first woman, I believe, in my lineage to be an entrepreneur. My family is very academic. And I, I had the opportunity to go, like two of my sisters went to Oxford and Cambridge. I had kind of that push of academia and I had the possibility to do that, but I was always a creative spirit and I always wanted to create. I ended up going to art school and learning art and being a photographer and a creative and a painter. And already that was quite different in my lineage. And then I went on my womb healing journey and from there, I realized I was here to be something different. And yes, I feel that when I started to be an entrepreneur, I started to come up with, I'm sure you thought it was too, Betty, that started to be faced with all of these, gosh, having a spiritual business is so deep, like coming up with all my shadows around my value and my worth. Every time I launched something, I would have like a meltdown because I felt like People weren't signing up, then I meant something about me and that I was not valuable. And it went very deep and very dark and kind of ugly in many moments. Points where I felt like even suicidal because I wasn't quote unquote being successful. It brought up a lot. 
if I had like even a moment of silence of people not signing up on my offerings, I would go into a deep process. And like, what does this mean about me? What does this mean about my life? Am I supported? Is my work good? Am I good enough? And all of these things. And so I've been in the last like three to five years, I've been deep in that. Somewhere at the beginning of that, I felt like, okay, there's some deep personal work I want to do here around my value. Honestly, in one hypnotherapy session at the beginning of my journey, I realized that in my first sexual trauma when I was 13, I decided in that moment that I was not a valuable human being. And that led to years of depression and, and mental health issues. And I realized that at that point, yeah, that I made that decision and I'm now dealing with the consequences of that and all the ways that it was showing up in my life and especially in my finances. Because I understood in when I started to do workshops and learning about financial healing and, and money and conscious money and all these things, I started to realize that I didn't value myself and money is connected to your worth and your value. It's connected to more, it's not as, as limited as that, but it's one aspect of when do you think you're worthy of receiving or being provided for in terms of finances, in terms of money. And so I felt like for a few years I was working on that and it's been a very, very slow process. We've talked about like the slowness of healing and I think it's taken me five years to actually charge what I think I'm worth and to stand mm. like a mountain in that. If someone comes not to and, and doesn't want to meet that, that's something deep in my subconscious, like a reflection in the outside world. But to stand in what I think I, I'm valuable for, and I know that that's going to increase as I get older, and to be unshakable in that, and that's a, that's a big piece in itself. And I mean, at the beginning of my journey when I when I started and I did group ceremonies, I used to charge five pounds per person, and that was what I thought I was worth at the time. And you know, not saying that five pounds means good or bad or anything. But now I value my time more than that. So I wouldn't charge that anymore. And I still offer scholarships. I still offer like different levels, but I'm able to embody more of my value now. And so that was one aspect of it. I was always fascinated by it because it was something that I just want to preface that this has not been easy for me. I feel like I've been on my knees crying and begging God to help me like so many times now not so much but in the last five years many times I've been on my knees like I want to give up I can't make money doing what I love I'm sure you've thought about this Betty like I, I, maybe I should just go back in the system and work in a shop or like what the fuck God like why is it not working why am I not being supported what's wrong and being a victim. And I think I've been on my knees enough times mm. to be so, like my pain is my motivator. I know in some reality that I can be a multimillionaire or maybe more doing what I love. And that's what, that was my statement that I decided that that, Hell yeah, yeah. that is my heroine's journey in this life. I want to be the first multimillionaire in my, in my lineage as a, as anyone, but also as a woman, to be the first financially independent woman in my lineage for a long time, the first entrepreneur, the first woman doing what she loves. I'm a Taurus, you know, I love luxury, I love beauty. I've always had a love of these things. I love to take care of myself. 
but in some way it's about having the resources to have the lives that I want and in other ways it's not actually even about mm -hmm. the number it's about the journey that I need to go on deep within myself to get there all the things that I need to face in my ancestral healing and what's been passed on to me around money around scarcity around lack around responsibility around my self-value and worth around all the codes that I received or didn't receive from my mom who's a housewife and a codependent to my dad and has never really had a real job in her life and that was my example of feminine power and so many other things that she exampled to me around a woman in power or not in power really and I've had to work through all of that mm. because she is completely codependent on my dad and has been for like more than 40 years and still can't break the cycle talks and talks about it talks and talks about wanting to break mm. the cycle but doesn't actually nothing changes and it breaks my heart to see that mm. and then I look at myself and I think that is mm. not what I want actually I want the complete opposite and I made my focus on my independence and on having the freedom to do what I want and travel where I want and and have amazing resources and high quality products and create a legacy mm. for my children ancestral wealth to create resources for my children that they aren't left with all my subconscious baggage around money but actually to offer them a whole different fucking paradigm where they actually are left mm. with a really positive abundant like a sense of of providership from money that is so beautiful and so different to anything we've ever known on this planet and that they have the resources mm -hmm. to do what they want and that they can learn to go after their dreams and not money mm. not to work in the way of like I need to make money to pay bills to do the things and I abandon my gifts and my needs and maybe even my sleep and maybe even my sanity for something to pay my bills what would it be like mm. if I offered the opportunity for my children to be able to relax into the knowing that they are provided for by life? Something bigger than me and my, my mm. partner, but like they're provided for by God, by life, to do whatever they want, the limitlessness of life that we as this generation have been so conditioned out of. We're in a very contracted reality in terms of resources and providership and abundance and doing what we love. So I want to change. I want to be a transitional character in my lineage so that I can offer my children something like that. For sure, I don't know where it's going and I can't control the outcome, but that's my kind of intention. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And it's such a gorgeous way of moving into the money healing space yeah. as well, because there's so much stigma around wanting to be wealthy it's seen as like greed and you know all the other stories that come with it when you look at it like any other healing it's like you're doing it for your lineage and what a beautiful thing to actually reflect on and be like yeah I want to be the first woman in my lineage to be able to do this to be able to change what comes next and you know, the children of the next generation it's really really yeah amazing. and I feel the the rich wound is deep and what people mm. don't understand or what people aren't aware of is that when you have money or have, yeah, let's just focus on money because that's, that's our medium of exchange in this current moment. You have the opportunity mm. to have a higher quality of life. And this is not my idea. I got this from Victoria Washington, who I really recommend to follow. 
she talked about once in a, in a workshop about healing the rich wound. And I think that it's been marketed this way with propaganda specifically. We don't have examples of wealthy, heart-centered people in our society, necessarily. Mm-hmm. We associate super wealthy multimillionaires, billionaires with like businessmen that are heartless, that usurps the resources of the earth and horrible people and assholes and arrogant. We also see that a lot in movies. We hear about that in so many different ways. It's so deep into our subconscious. And here's, a, here's another perspective that I'm trying to create and I am creating. If someone like me has access to high-level resources, I want to do really good things with that. Firstly, take care of my own mm. health and life and to create the resources for my lineage. And second, I can invest in so many beautiful things and changes for this planet in terms of, of you know, the support for women and my mission. I can create a temple for women. I can invest in different resources for women in different countries and third world countries. And, you know, everyone has their own passion projects with charities and things they care about. But when heart-centered, genuinely conscious people have access to high-level resources, they're going to change the world. So the more people like us that can have huge amounts of money is going to actually shift the world because right now the focus of power is on politics and and these things and that's how that's kind of like how the power is right now but imagine the impact if some of that those resources and power and money could go into like a hundred heart-centered people that had the visionaries and pioneers and and people that really have the health of our planet and the health of our people in their highest, best interest. Mm. And so there's that. So that's one perspective I'd love to offer because I think people don't don't think about those things. I think being wealthy is a beautiful Mm. thing and what a beautiful opportunity in this life to be able to shepherd and to steward conscious, heart-centered wealth in this life. If my intentions are pure and good and I want to create good things and to make this a better planet. Then the second thing I want to offer is, this is really interesting for me because also when you have more money, you have more time, you have more, you have more energy. Think about in the times for sure I can think about in my life when I don't have money and I'm struggling to pay my bills. Think about how much energy that takes. I'm not sleeping. I don't know about you, Mm, but I can't mm. sleep. I'm anxious. My quality of life is like at the very bottom. I'm stressing about that and circulating those thoughts in my mind nonstop. And if you think about you take out all of that energy, you free up time and happiness and joy and the energy to do the beautiful things you want. If you want to create an art gallery or you want to be a landscaper or you want to create a temple, like you'll have the space, the time and the energy to do that. And people get so stuck in the contraction and I've got so stuck in the contraction of obsessing about not having money, but realizing Mm, if you take mm. that time and energy out, you're free again. You have the the resources in your own body to, to be your happiest, healthiest self. There's so many different perspectives we can we can talk about I feel very empowered just Mm -hmm. hearing you speak it's really beautiful to just see different reflections and 
how almost easy it feels to switch out of what we live by or what I live by currently and just seeing it from a completely different way. And I wanted to ask you a bit about that responsibility that comes with financial, because I know that me personally, I'm quite an avoidant person when it comes to finances. (laughs) And I know that you've been sharing a bit about that recently on your Instagram. And I found that so interesting. And so, yeah, I'd love to to hear a bit more about that responsibility element that comes with it. So I'm really, I'm really fascinated by this, especially right now, because my words for 2023 are self-responsibility. And for sure, there were like probably 10 more levels of, of self-responsibility that I can be initiated to into this life. Maybe more, I don't know. But this was definitely my deeper first level where I've actually consciously attuned myself to my self-responsibility and how I'm showing up in that. And wow, what a year it's been in that. So much confrontation and so much like when, you're re- when you really ask God and the universe and life to initiate you into something, be prepared. <laughs> Especially something as deep as self-responsibility because there are so many ways that I wasn't being self-responsible and there are still so many ways that I'm, you know, attuning myself to that. I still have a long way to go, but it's been a big re-sculpting of my character. And we live in a culture that avoids self-responsibility, like you said, avoidance. And this isn't my teaching. This is, again, from Victoria Washington. I already had the, the, the word self-responsibility at the beginning of the year, and I discovered Victoria's work later in the year, and it was just divine timing. She talks about people aren't scared of having, having more money, necessarily. People are actually scared of the responsibility that comes with with holding and the decisions and the sensations and being responsible for more because with more money become becomes yeah more responsibility more more choices more decisions you have to hold more energy in your body and more sensation in your body and I found that teaching really interesting she talks about which I love and it's so refreshing for me because I was trying to do the manifestation stuff for a while of the matching the vibe and hiring the vibration. And I think it works in some way, but I still felt like I was chasing something that was never really happening. And basing my business off manifestation was exhausting. And I've divorced majorly from that now because I was trying to get all my clients at some point from this or from manifestation or doing some kind of practice like this and she said the words that it's exhausting to do that I felt like ah yes it is exhausting and I was looking for other perspectives and she talks about how it's not really about your frequency and matching the frequency of money and all of this stuff it's more about how responsible you are and actually how developed your character is I love this perspective Mm. of like, okay, instead of praying for more money, pray for God life to develop your character to hold more money and be responsible for more money. Mm. And I felt when I really, I was praying for big amounts of money like two years ago, three years ago, but now I look back at my character and I'm like, actually, I was not ready for that. 
like in terms of how I took, like you said, the intimacy with my numbers, the intimacy with my business, how I took care of my revenue, my profit, my taxes, my invoices, my, you know, the the architecture of my business. I wasn't really fine tuned in that. I wasn't even looking at that stuff. And so I've been really working on specifically my self-responsibility in my business. And obviously the antidote to avoidance is intimacy. So now I've made it my highest intention to be very intimate with with all my numbers and to be intimate Mm. with what's happening now and to set goals. And yeah, I think there's a lot of ways in in spiritual entrepreneurial business that we can avoid being intimate with so many things. And I think personally, that is why I wasn't receiving the amounts of money I was praying for. And God wanted me first to learn this piece before... I had a deeper level of receiving or providership mm. for my my path, my work. And maybe that's not everyone's lesson. For sure, there are people out there that are not very responsible and have a lot of money. But this was my lesson that I needed to learn. I'm still not very good at it, but I'm trying my best to sit down once a month and look at my, calculate my revenue, calculate my income, calculate my profit margin, calculate my percentages for tax. and like have a money date with myself once a month and work out all of these things and be really aware of like, okay, what am I, what am I stewarding right now? And then having even things like, for example, for retreat this year, I've learned how to be responsible for the payment of all the aspects of the retreats, but like in a really self-responsible way. And I see a lot of people, and I wasn't taught this, but like, you know, you, you pay the investment, you don't really work out all the numbers, and you come up with prices for the retreats, and then <laughs> at some point you need to work out your expenses, and at some point you need to pay the retreat center, and at another point you have a profit, but you don't know what it is. You're laughing, so I'm sure that you're probably laughing. <laughs> um, and at some point I realized, no, this is, I, this is not sustainable, and this is actually where I want to go and so like now I'm learning about budgeting and project management so if I want to do a retreat I need to sit down first I work out all the numbers I find the structure and the discipline for my business so that I can expand in my self-responsibility there's so many pieces like that I feel like so many beautiful people in in our kind of field they have a passion and they start their project and they just go you know it's like okay go I'm gonna start link sessions Probably they don't have a business account. Probably they, they don't have official registered business. And I didn't know, for example, at the beginning of my business that you need to send invoices first before people pay you. I learned that one the hard way. And I don't know why people aren't talking about this. But I feel that in my journey, if we want to be stewards of higher amounts of wealth, we need to become intimate with these numbers and these things so that we are holding the structure for the expansion and for the growth. And I think if you're called to this and you're still listening, then for sure you want to be that person and that's part of your mission. This is bringing a whole, I said on my Instagram the other day, this has never been done before. You know, like we've never had really self-responsible, heart-centered, empowered in your sexuality, multi-millionaire leaders. Doesn't exist, really. Mm. now it's happening but like up until this point this is very new for us so it can bring a lot of triggers too i'm excited to see what your next in-person offering is going to be a mixture between pleasure and money yeah 
They're the two, for me, they're the two most fascinating topics because they're where we hold the most conditioning and taboo around. Tell me about your relationship with money and how you feel about yourself in relationship to money and tell me about your sexuality and how you orgasm and all of these things. And for me, those are the most fascinating topics and they really hold microcosms for our whole life of our beliefs about our whole life. Yeah, I want to give a little exercise for people to do. So from today, this is kind of going into the depths now. So go in with love. I invite you to make two lists. This was really impactful for me. And it took a couple of years to really take off the veils and see really what was happening. Because when you're avoidant or you're just not conscious of something, it can take time to really, really see how it is in, in reality. To look at your father figure and your mother figure, your mom and dad, and make a list first, let's say, about your dad. What are all the beliefs around money and around wealth and around richness and around abundance and all of these topics that you received from him? They can be beliefs, like things he said, like, you know, some of the classic ones are like, money doesn't grow on trees or money is the root of all evil sit with yourself and think specifically about your dad what are the things that you learned through your dad let's talk about the negative ones first so first it's going to be beliefs and then also actions so it might be like how did you see him in action based how did you see him interacting with money first we're just talking about the negative ones for example did you always see him coming home super stressed from work and you had a stressful day that's an action maybe he's not saying so much but you're seeing it and you can sit with this for hours and think mm -hmm. about all of those things then I think it's really important to also write a list of all the positive things you learn about money with him so maybe that for some parents there's not much but maybe there is for example, one positive thing with my dad, my dad loves self-care and he will book a massage in any day for himself. He loves quality. He values quality. So he will spend his money on quality. He's more bothered about the experience than and the high qualityness of it and the luxury of it than anything else. That's what's important to him. Maybe there's a shadow side for that. But in the positive, I've, mm. I learned the lesson of it's important for me to invest in my self-care. And there are many. So then you're going to do that with your mom and dad, positive and negative, beliefs and actions for each one. Maybe this can be a whole book. Maybe it can just be two pages. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, but I think this was a really important thing for me to witness what I was carrying. And then when I saw those lists, I was like, ah, oh, I do that. Oh, I also do that. And then I started to really see the stuff that was I was carrying out in my patterns. And then if they're still, if you're both your parents mm. or one of your parents is still alive, then try go and stay with them for a bit. And then you'll see, oh, there it is. And there's that. And then you start to create separation of like, okay, that's theirs. And this is mine or not mine. Do I want to continue mm. this belief? Probably not. So now I'm aware of it. I can see it playing out in them a lot. And I think it starts to, yeah, take off the veil. And then you start to become more intimate with your own patterns. Mm -hmm. And then you, from there, you can choose where do I want to go? Who do I actually want to become? So yeah, this is a really, really good exercise. And I recommend that everybody does it at some point in their life. Yes, I'm definitely, definitely going to do it. I was just sat here thinking, oh, my dad used to love going to Harrods to get his hair cut. Right. <laughs> 
And that was his thing. Yeah. I feel <laughs> the biggest one from me in the negative that I, I'm training myself out of is that both my parents in different ways, but specifically my dad, he was a transitional character in his lineage before my dad, his mom and that part of the family were mostly quite poor. And his mom used to live in a bedroom of like, I don't know how many siblings, but like 10 or 13 siblings in one, in one bedroom. Mm -hmm. And from a young age, my dad was a transitional character. He was an entrepreneur from the beginning in some way. And he always was driven and ambitious to create change. So he created and generated wealth in our family, but it came with a lot of baggage and came with a lot of beliefs that, that I'm now transcending like a lot of debt and a lot of shame and stress. I remember him and he told me later in life, a classic example, he sent us all to private school. So he paid, but then he used to barely sleep and was stressed and used to wake up sweating all the time in the night because of the stress of the fees. So it's like, yes, he created wealth, but it came with a lot of very deep thematic psychological consequences. And then I realized later in my mm. life, I used to wake up stressed, not sleeping to pay for my bills. I feel that, yes, my dad was a big transitional character in terms of the material wealth, but in terms of the consciousness and the heart-centeredness and the healthy relationship to money and wealth, that's the work mm. I'm doing. So we can kind of see where we are in the lineage of that. One of the biggest ones for my dad was he doesn't trust anyone. He doesn't trust money. He doesn't trust payments. He doesn't trust people. He thinks people are going to rip him off. And I remember the first time that I sold out one of my containers, one of my first online courses, I was so happy and it was sold out. And the, I told him and the first thing he said was, well, have they paid you yet? Because you don't want the people to take content and to just not pay you. And I looked at him like, wow. That's the reality that he lives in. And I can see how that affects mm. me. He doesn't trust people. He doesn't trust money. He doesn't, you know, he thinks people are going to take from him. And they realize, like, that's not the reality wow. I want to live in. And he couldn't actually even celebrate me. He kind of just walked off. But that's how he was so anxious mm. and alert and hypervigilant about money. So people can have external wealth, but maybe internally they're not wealthy. Maybe internally they don't have a healthy relationship to money. So the work that I advise us to do yeah. is to create both. That we have the material, beautiful wealth, things in the external world and the experiences and the things that we want. And then also to create a healthy relationship with money internally. And I think from that journey, I realized in that moment, that was like three years ago when he said that. I was like, okay, so now my work is I need to work on my self-trust, my trust with people. That's a big piece that I've picked up from him. And it's taken me years, but I feel now I finally have that trust. And if I'd never mm. been aware of those things, I would have carried around that distrust in people and life and money for the rest of my life, you know, and it would have continued to impact my health and, and my path and my work. So ultimately, the final thing I want to say is the beautiful thing about this work is that we're not, again, it's not this witch hunt, like, or like digging to find the things that are wrong with you. It's like you're taking out the things that aren't yours so that you can return to more of your wholeness, so that you can return to more of loving yourself and being the love that you're supposed to be on this earth. One of the 
best mantras that Victoria Washington says is, my liberation creates a pathway for others. My liberation liberates others. And that's it. Like, if I can love myself and be in my wholeness more, then I'm going to liberate others. And that's the beautiful after effect of it. And it's not that I'm on a hunt to discover all the things wrong with me. I'm actually on the journey of becoming more whole and more in love with myself and embodying love itself to share with others more. Wow, that is beautiful. I really just receiving all of your words there and just thinking about how beautiful it is to hear it so simplified in some ways because I think we can get lost in all of those limiting beliefs and all of those stories that we have and where do we start and we keep digging and there's more and more and more but actually that exercise that you shared is so powerful in itself I'm just like my mind is a bit blown I can already see so many things that that I can just see now I've received that practice from different teachers and one teacher just focused on the negative and then another teacher focused on the positive and the negative and I think to keep that balance because it's not that we only receive the negative contracted things from our parents it can be beautiful things too and also for example in some cases like if you're more close to your grandma or something like this focus on on that at some point I also sat down with my mom and asked her about my lineage like what was your dad like with money and what was your dad like with this and that and it just gives us so much more context of who we are and so that we don't feel like a victim of life we can sit in the driver's seat and we can we can be in our power and change who we are Mm. and choose a different way and create a different pathway for our children if we want them or for our nieces and nephews if we have them or just for the people around us you know beautiful thank you you're such a wise medicine woman. I've always said that about you. Yeah. Thank you. I just want to ask you, what would you say is the smallest shift that you have made in your life or experienced in your life that has had the biggest impact? Oh, in my whole life. Okay. That's quite a question, Betty. I'm just going to go with the fact, I'm sure there's like a hundred, but the best one that I'm going to go with that comes to mind immediately I think was making the decision to devote a regular practice to self-pleasure to connecting to my pleasure to making myself pleasure something sacred intentional and conscious to feel my body to be present with my body and to be present with the beauty of my my pleasure and I feel that I've been consciously doing that with intention for the last I don't know four or five years now and I feel this has the biggest impact in my relationship to myself because I also feel that it nourishes me so much I think conscious self-pleasure that isn't about just getting off but is actually about being with my body and breathing deeply and and you know I teach this maybe this is new concept for some people listening it's a whole other podcast episode on itself it's a form of self-care for me and it's a form of like one of my highest self-care levels and has the biggest impact on my life because yes the nourishment but also when I activate my sexual energy in a conscious way my creativity my vitality my body relaxes and everything changes so I think this is the the simple answer I like that answer very much. (laughs) 
I also just wanted to ask you, just for a bit of fun, if you were to describe your life as a tarot card right now, what would it be? <laughs> oh, I love this question. I'm just thinking of all of them now. I'm going to have two naughty answers. This year, my tarot card of the year is actually the hanged man. Because I, you can do numerology with your birth date and everything. You can Google this and you'll find someone can help you. And you figure out all the numbers and then you can... So my year this year is... I forget the number now, but it's the number of the hanged man. So I feel this year has been actually very challenging. Next year is death because it goes chronologically. I feel a bit scared about that, but I'm also ready for it. And I feel, I feel that, yes, this year has been kind of a lot of unknown and waiting. And like, I've been waiting one year for my partner to be here in Mexico with me and probably have to wait a few more months. And everything on my business like went upside down this year and I didn't really know where I was going. I had a baby loss this year and, and that kind of put me in a waiting period. So I feel that this year has just been a lot of waiting. And I feel that's the spiritual surrender of the hanged man. It hasn't been that fun, but also I've been learning a lot specifically about patience and about that I'm not in control. And <laughs> as my soul, I feel I'm the empress. I feel if I'm going to describe my life, it is the empress. I'm a Taurus. I have a lot of Taurian energy and the empress is connected to that. And I feel now I've done all this deep, deep financial healing work. I've been in the underworld for like five years and I feel now I'm entering my receivership, my beauty. I feel like I've got my value. For sure yeah. there's more levels, but I feel like I got to a point where I can be the empress now in a way that feels unapologetic. And I feel like that is where I'm at. You are the empress. Yes. You're sitting on a throne. I love to, also, <laughs> I love to be horizontal. Oh. I'm very earthy. I love to be horizontal yep. and like chilling. I'm not actually very like physically active a little bit but I prefer to kind of chill and enjoy my senses mm -hmm. and it's a classic Taurus really but the Empress on the card is always horizontal naked so it's perfect yeah it is you it's very very you yeah I love it oh it's been I feel like we could talk for hours and yeah. days about so many incredible topics but this has been so nourishing like for me personally and I think for everyone listening, we'll really have had a bit of a shift when it comes to the whole money stories that mm -hmm. we hold. So, yeah, just thank you for being so open, for being here, for sharing your wisdom, your truth, your story. If people want to find out more about you, come and follow you on Instagram. Where can they find so you? So my Instagram is I am Melissa Sanger. My name will be probably in the podcast title. I am Melissa Sanger two S's for Melissa. And my website is the same, melissasanger.com. I also have a podcast. It's on pause right now, but I have, I think, over 50. I can't remember exactly. Juicy archive episodes about feminine wisdom. And then recently, last year, I did a whole series on masculine awakening and had loads of epic men come on and talk about men's work and tantra and so the last season was men and then the seasons before that are all about feminine wisdom and a lot of the things we've talked about on this podcast there is a couple of money episodes maybe two but I, I wasn't talking about it personally at that point because I didn't feel I was embodying it yet so you can dig into that fundamental feminine wisdom is my podcast fundamental feminine wisdom 
And yeah, I would love people if they feel called to actually through my website, jump on my mailing list. Because yeah, I feel the work that I offer is sexuality and womb and these things are actually getting more and more shadow banned every day. And I find it a deeper commitment if people join my mailing list and I can know that we're going to stay connected if you want that. I love it. I'm going to put all of that in the show notes so that everyone can yeah. find you. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm sure that you'll yes, be back. Yes, I would love to. There's so many things we can talk about. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Shifts podcast with me, your host, Betty Lewis-Griffiths. It really does mean the world to me to have you here. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would absolutely love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. If you follow on Spotify, then it will add the latest episodes into your podcast and show. So they're waiting for you. How good is that? I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Find me on Instagram at bewithbetty. See you back here soon for more conscious conversations about sacred shifts.